0: Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing and concluding our series this morning on Experiencing the Spirit of Faith. And uh, this is week seven. Uh, This will be the conclusion of the series, which is, and then next week we'll be starting a new series, talking about walking and the anointing, which is really a continuation of this one, including the last series that we talked about. So talk about Knowing the Holy Spirit. Anyway, this morning, uh, just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website, lighthouse discipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And uh, we just uh, uh, thank you again for all of our our, our, uh, partners who partner with us financially with their tithes and their offerings through our website, lighthouse So, anyway, uh, we will have Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock on Adventist Change, as well as uh, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for the Believer's Authority. So, anyway, I'm going to jump right into it this morning. I have a lot to cover as we conclude this uh, this series this morning. At the beginning here, I'm just going to do a recap of the last six weeks, uh, and so, uh, and then we'll jump into our, our, our last uh, category this morning. So, we're, like I said, we're talking about experiencing the spirit of faith. We're not just talking about faith, even though we are. We're talking about experiencing. Christianity is supposed to work. Uh, You know, I mean, we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. Christianity is alive. It's supposed to work. It's not a religion. It's a relationship with God. We don't teach religion. We teach against religion. But we teach a relationship with God. Now, our key verse in this this series has been, from 2 Corinthians 4 13, and it says, And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. And we've been hinging on these two main things at the first three weeks that we talked on this series, that we have the spirit of faith, and the spirit that we have, it speaks. Okay? We looked at David briefly. And David, uh, it says, you know, his brother ridiculed him. Saul questioned him. Goliath derided him, but David kept speaking. <laughs> Excuse me. David kept speaking the word of God. We focus on how God, when He created the earth, it was without form and void, and in one sense, it had no purpose. We had no purpose in one sense until we were born again. God had a purpose for us, but there was no anyway. There's a comparison here. And the spirit of God hovered over the earth, and then God began to speak. And then we looked at several things regarding Abraham. One of the things we looked at is it takes two things to get the plan of God working in your life: His grace and your faith. His grace makes it available, but your faith makes it a reality. It, it, it puts it into uh, manifestation. So, uh, he, and so we looked at these two things. And in other words, everyone receives grace, the promises of God, the same way. It's not based on your performance, because faith is not performance. Faith is a noun. And faith is believing God's grace at his word. It's believing God's promise. It's believing God's word. And we also look, excuse me, regarding Abraham, that when all hope was gone, Abraham continued to believe God. Abraham chose to only consider what God said. There are some things, in other words, we look at it in our own lives, that there are some things that we cannot consider. Sometimes, though, like with Abraham, sometimes circumstances will look at you and scream at you, it's just not so. God gives you a word that you're going to have many children when you're 75. That same word is coming to you at 90, 99, 25 years, you get the same word, and nothing has changed. And sometimes the circumstances just scream at you, it's just not so. But you, in one sense, you have to scream back saying, it is so. Why? Because God said it. You know? And that we cannot determine our lives and everything about it because of the circumstances, even though, for, you know, like Abraham, 25 years. You know, we, we, you know, most of us, 25 years, we would just say, forget God's word. You know, it's just not going to happen. He's 99 years old, promised he's going to have a son. You know, but Abraham only considered what God said even at 99. <coughs> Sometimes religion will preach. It's not so. But we say, no, this is what God said. In other words, we, so again, we have the spirit of faith, but the spirit of faith speaks. And we look also looked at during our fourth week that there's the a law, the law of faith. There's actually four New Testament laws that we focus on. One of them primary, being the law of faith, because we're talking about experiencing uh, the spirit of faith. But in other words, we look at it in this light, uh, if grace provided it, if it is an atonement. If, <coughs> excuse me. If if Jesus paid for it through his death and resurrection, then you have a biblical right to receive it. Like I said, there's, there's Four new, new covenant laws that we looked at during our, our fourth week. <coughs> Excuse me. When they have the law of the spirit of life, the law of faith, the, the perfect law of liberty, and the royal law of love. The law of faith is a law that works for everybody, everywhere, every time. Because why? First of all, from our key verse, is that we have the same spirit of faith. I don't have a different kind of faith. I don't have the same the kind of faith that Abraham had, and God had, and David had, and other people in scripture. We have, it's a law, it works for everybody, everywhere, every time. And it's, as i have been saying over and over again, it's not about our performance, but it's the performance of Jesus. It wasn't about David's performance or Abraham's performance, it was about God's word. Because faith, the spirit of faith, the law of faith works everywhere, everyone. Every, for everybody, everywhere, every time. In, in other words, it's either about you or, excuse me, about Jesus. If you are putting faith in your performance, if you're trusting your performance, then your faith is in you. And you no, know, faith works, but you have to put faith in his grace. You have to put faith in his word. You can't put faith in you. You're not the source. Now, you respond to the word of God by faith, That's where James comes in and says, faith without works is dead. But it's either about you or it's about Jesus. And we also looked about how we are free to love God and we are free to love people. Primarily talking about the law of love and the law of liberty that uh, James talks about and and John talks about. In other words, because you have faith in Jesus, you're going to live differently. We even looked at this in the life of David. You're going to live differently. You Because you have faith in his grace, you're going to live differently. You're going to talk differently. You're going to act differently. Why? Because it's a law. It never changes. It's a law of faith. When you understand his love and you understand his grace, and we looked at this in our, in our last week during our sit hour a little bit, and we'll, we'll recap this in just a moment. But, and because it's a law, not only is it never going to change, but you can receive it. Anybody, anywhere, anytime can receive God's promises, God's word. God's word will never change. God's word. God is faithful to his word, and his word, and putting faith in his word and his promises will work for you. We also looked at what Abraham will have, that faith is your servant. Faith will do what you tell it to do. You're, in other words, we even took it to the point where faith is working for you. Your faith is working for you, whether it's unbelief, a belief that's un, or it's worry, fear, and stress, and whatnot. But anyway, we are all receiving what we are believing. We are all receiving what we are speaking. If you don't like what you're receiving, you can change it by what you believe about God. If you don't like what you're receiving, you can change it by what you believe about you. And if you don't like what you're receiving, you can change it by what you believe about what you say. We, we, uh, then our fourth week and into and our fifth week, we concluded that by looking <coughs> at Mark 11, thing where, where Jesus says, Have faith in God. Whoever says that this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. We look at this in conclusion that faith works for whosoever, and it works on whatsoever. Again, if it was provided by grace, if it was provided by the atonement, if it was provided by the promise, if Jesus paid for it, then you have a right to have it. Jesus goes on to say, verse 24, Therefore am I saying to you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have um, whatever whatsoever you desire. And we concluded this with, what do you want? Because salvation, and we also know salvation is not just forgiveness of sin, salvation is, is wholeness, it's healing, it's provision, it's delivered. Salvation is available to whoever will. Healing is available to whoever will. Provision is available to whoever will. Peace. <coughs> Peace, deliverance is available to whoever will. You can change, and we also look through the book of uh, James, that, James chapter 3, that you can change the course of nature by what you say. You can change the direction of your life by what you say. James talks about how our tongue is like a rudder of a ship. It's like a spark that sets the uh, forest on fire. It's like uh, the bit on a, on a horse. Your words can change the course of nature. And your, your words can change the direction of your life. Out of the abundance of the heart and mouth will speak. And the power of life and death are in the tongue. Okay. So we've looked at, we have the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith speaks. And if there's a law of faith. at say point time, you're also realize there's a battle. It's called the fight of faith. And when you keep seeing things the other way than what God says. God says this, but you keep seeing this. God says you're going to have a children, but you're still barren. God says you're going to be a father of many nations, and you don't even have a son yet, at least a legitimate one. Hey, yeah, yeah, Sarah got, uh, and Abraham came with the idea to, to help God out, doing it in their own way. They created a mess with Ishmael, And the world is still suffering from that mess today. Okay. But it's a battle sometimes. But when you keep believing and speaking the word of God, your life will start changing. You'll have plenty of times to say and opportunities to say, It's not working. It's not working. We have some struggles with the with the, the technology this morning. We could just simply say it's not working and I was starting to talk along those lines. I was getting into the flesh. But It's not working, but we have to keep believing God and moving forward in faith. We have a spirit of faith, the spirit of faith speaks, and there's a law of faith that works for everybody, everywhere, every time. And then, two weeks ago, during our fifth hour, we started talking about 2 Timothy (coughs) 1-7, where Paul is encouraging his apprentice, young Timothy, a young pastor, but God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and a love and a sound mind. We look how God does not give us a spirit of fear, because the spirit of fear and the spirit of faith are opposites. Both the spirit of faith and the spirit of fear are speaking spirits. They are both released to speaking. Fear is released to speaking, and faith is released. Through speaking. The spirit of faith speaks words of fear, anxiety, worry. Whereas faith speaks the word of God, it speaks the promises of God, and it speaks the grace of God. We see this with Abraham, we see this with David, we also see this with Joshua and Caleb. They, they had a different report than the other 10 spies, and they wanted to stone them. Faith and fear speak differently. I can talk to somebody. And they might be going through a tragedy. They might be going through a horrific thing. And I can hear whether they are in fear or faith. Someone in fear. Something's going on. They'll mention the promises of God, but 90% of the conversation is about what they're worrying about. What they're upset about. I can also talk to someone who's in faith. They're going through the same tragedy. They're going through the same experience. They will mention what's going on, but 90% of the conversation is about what God said. I understand I'm going to this but God. I understand I'm going to this but God. The fair people say, I know God says this, but but this is happening. I know God said this, but this is happening. The people of faith again say, I know I'm going through this, but God said this. There's a difference. It, it you know it, it helps to know where to put that B U T. But either you say, but God, or you say, I understand what God says, but the circumstances. But So-and-so said this. So-and-so's happening. Such-and-such is happening. Where are you putting that B-U-T? It tells me whether fear is speaking or whether faith is speaking. The circumstance might be the same. But which one, which spirit is speaking? The spirit of faith or the spirit of fear? The the spirit of fear says, What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? Matthew chapter 6. But the spirit of faith says, Thank God it has all been provided in Christ, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. The more you pursue the the purpose of God in your life, the more problems you will encounter. Now that just sounds backwards, (laughs) and we talked a lot about this from different angles, but the spirit of faith won't cause you to run from your problems. The spirit of faith will cause you to run at your problems, like David did in the name of the Lord and the word of God. In this life, you will have problems. We talked about this at length. But you don't have to allow those problems to dominate your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence because they've them them with life. God is greater than any problem you have. And we are going to keep going in faith. We are going to keep believing God. We have God's power, yet we still have problems. Some people think when we talk about faith and talk about the power of God, that means we're not going to have any problems. The Word of God doesn't teach that. Jesus said, In this life, you will have tribulation. Many of the afflictions are the righteous, but God will deliver us out of them all. (coughs) We looked at David and we looked at other books in Hebrews that sometimes when you're doing what God calls you to do, you can even have more problems. Look at Paul. He had all kinds of problems. He was stoned how, t- t- you know, uh, how many times, you know, he was whipped how many times, Shipwrecked, and all these different things. He called it a lot of fictions. The, the question is not that we have problems. The question is how do we face those problems? Okay. Do, do we face those problems in the spirit of fear? Or do we do them in the spirit of faith? Because we have the spirit of faith. So we've been looking at... <coughs> In Second Timothy, now God did not give us a spirit of fear, but He gave us a power, love, and a sound mind. Two weeks ago, we talked about the power part. How because we have a spirit of, of faith, and then the spirit of faith that we have speaks. It speaks. It's also we have the spirit of power, and we have the spirit of love, and we have the spirit of mind. We've been talking about this from different angles. So we looked at briefly the spirit of power, and the spirit of power. It says that there's three things that we look at for the spirit of power. Is that the first one is the gospel is the power of God. So many people want to talk about the power. They, want, they think the healing and the miracles and different things are the power. No, the gospel is the power. You would never have the healing. You would never have the miracle if it wasn't for the gospel. The gospel promises the healing. The gospel promises the miracle. The gospel is the grace, it's the source, it's the promise of God, it's the word of God that brings that healing and brings that into manifestation. The gospel is the source of that healing, the source of that. The gospel is the power of God. The healing, the miracle, is the manifestation of the gospel. When you put faith in the gospel, when you put faith in God says you're going to see the result. The healing, the miracle—in one sense, is just the fruit on the tree. Praise God! And I'm not watering down miracles and healing. I'm just saying it's not the source. The source is God. The source is the gospel of God. Okay, and and the greatest miracle—talk about miracles—the greatest miracle of all is seeing a life born again. There is no miracle. There's no healing, there's no blind eyes, there's no person raised from the dead that is greater than someone who's been born again. A life that was going to hell and is now born again is the greatest miracle of all. You dying and you uh, have it's not the worst thing. The worst thing that could ever happen to you is you go to hell. That's the worst thing that can happen. The greatest miracle is seeing someone born again. Now... With that, there are benefits, and we're going to be talking about those benefits a lot more when we talk about walking in anointing. But there are benefits of being born again, and some of those benefits include being healed and and different things, and seeing miracles. But the gospel is the power of God. I I will take a life change and transform by the word of God any day compared to a miracle. I believe in miracles. I believe we need to see more of them. I mean, uh, you know, uh, the early church saw both. Jesus did both. But at that same point in time, the gospel is the power of God. So if you want someone to be set free, share the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done. The answer is always the gospel. The answer is always Jesus. The gospel releases the power of God. The gospel releases healing and miracles and many other things. Okay? So we looked at how the gospel is the power of God, and by all, the other scriptures, you'll have to look at week five to, to go into all that detail, but then we also look at how the Holy Spirit is the power, uh, is, is the spirit of power. Real briefly, we looked at seven things in the, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, and there's seven things here. We didn't focus on any of these. We didn't teach on any of these, except for we're focused on the spirit of mind, because we're talking about the, 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 the spirit of faith is the spirit of power, okay? And so the Gospel is the power of God. The Holy Spirit is a Spirit of power. And it is released when we preach the Gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of God is released when we preach the Gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. You have the spirit of faith. And the spirit of faith is living in you. And the spirit of faith speaks. And the spirit of faith is the spirit of power. So we looked at how and the, and the spirit of faith is a spirit of power. How the gospel is the power of God, and the Holy Spirit is a spirit of power. And I, this is just a summary. So I'm not going into details. I already went into detail on these two things. But we also looked at how we have to share the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. That the, the, the Holy Spirit has come to give you power so that you could be a witness. Is doing miracles and healing being part of the witness? Yes, it is. But it's also, there's different things about being a witness. You know, but usually a witness says something. They say something. I'm not saying a witness can't demonstrate something. They can't. We need to do the gospel in word and in power. But we are witnesses of, because he says we are witnesses of, to me. We are witnesses of Jesus. We are witnesses of the gospel. We are witnesses of the life of God. We are witnesses of the power of God, and we are witnesses of the same power Jesus operated in. Why? Well, are several reasons, but one of the ones is because we have the same spirit of faith. We believe, and therefore we speak. We are empowered to be a witness of Jesus. We have the spirit of faith. We have the spirit of power. And we have the spirit of faith, and the spirit of faith speaks, and it is a law. It works for everybody, everywhere, every time. Believe God. Believe the gospel. Speak the word of God. Speak the word gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. Speak healing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Speak miracles in the power of the Holy Spirit. Speak and be a witness and give a testimony. God has invested his power in you. God has invested himself in you. God has invested his spirit in you. And when you share the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, you release the spirit of faith. Because where does faith come from? The word of God, the gospel. Okay? We have the spirit of faith, and the spirit of faith speaks. It's a law. So we look at, and, and, with, and with this, for God did not give us the spirit of fear or intimidation, but a power of love and the sound mind. God does not want you to be intimidated by the devil. We looked at this a little bit last week, in week six, okay? God does not want you to be terrorized by the devil. God wants you to keep moving in faith. The spirit of faith is a spirit of of power, but it's also a spirit of love, which we looked at last week, last Sunday, okay? The spirit of faith is established in the spirit of love. When you understand the love of God, it will cause faith to work. We looked at this in a lot of detail last week, so you'll have to watch last week's message to get some of this. But faith comes alive in the presence of God. The key to your faith is a revelation of His love. Why? Because faith works by love. Galatians 5, 6. We looked at that last week. If you are not great in the realm of love, you are not really great in the realm of faith. If you understand God's love towards you, you will reflect and demonstrate that same love towards one another. We looked at how, we tell the scripture, especially from Romans chapter 8, God knew that you would sin. He knew you'd do it, but he, gave, he forgave you anyway. He loved you anyway. He went to the cross anyway. Before the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain. He knew, in his forebears, he knew that you would sin. But he loved you anyway. While you were still a sinner, he loved you and died for you. God is love, and love will bear up under anything. We looked at this intently last week, uh, and we brought up several scriptures how love will bear up anything, including in the book of love, and the chapter of love, the love chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians thirteen. we looked at from the Amplified, and the Amplified talks about how love will bear up under anything. Love is the bond of perfection. If you want to show how great a person you are, start walking in love. If you want to show how great a person you are, start forgiving one another. We looked at this in very deep in detail last week. If you want to show how great a person you are, you need to start letting some things go. Your offenses go. Your bitterness go. If you want to start be a great person, you need to start acting like the Bible is true. Love one another. You can't love one another. You can't forgive one another until you know his love. Until you know his love, his grace, you can't put faith in it. You put faith in his grace, but faith works by love. You know, when your faith is not working, you know that What tells me, and let, let me change the language of that. When my faith is not working... Let me put the blame on me. If my faith is working, I don't usually have a faith problem. I have a love problem. It's not me loving God or loving you. It's me receiving His love. Because I can't love you. I can't love myself. I can't love God the way I should. And I can't operate in faith until I understand His love. So when you have a faith problem, you have a love problem. <clears throat> and we need to start acting like the world Bible's true. And we're not going to act like the Bible's true if we don't believe and receive His love. We looked at that very much detail last week. In other words, I don't care how much you prophesy, and I don't care how much your faith is. I want to see you love your brother. I can bring hundreds of scriptures out in the New Testament by the words of Jesus, Paul, James, John, and they all use strong language because how we ought to love one another, love our brothers. Let the love of God live in you, and let some things go. You know, when we're, talking about, we're talking about experiencing faith, and there was only one time when, when the disciples asked, Lord, increase our faith. You know what Jesus was talking about when, he said, when they asked him, increase our faith, he was talking about forgiveness. Andrew Walmax says it takes more faith to forgive one another than it does to raise the dead. Some of us can raise the dead a lot easier than we can forgive one another because our flesh will not let it go. It takes more faith to forgive than it does to do uh, the greatest miracle you could ever imagine. Well, of course, the greatest miracle to me is seeing someone being born again. God's love being perfected in your life, it's a bond of perfection, is maturity. Someone who can't love one another is, in my opinion, is not a mature Christian. Very immature. Okay? Now, that's not a put down, that's just a matter of fact. Okay. If you understand how much God, if you understand God's love towards you, you will reflect that love, loving one another, loving people. Now we we looked uh, a minute ago from Mark chapter 11, whosoever says to this mountain, be down to see, if you believe whatever you say, you shall ever have, whatever so you desire, believe that you have and you receive it, I'm paraphrasing it real quick, but if you continue, and we looked at this more intently last week, we if you... That was in Mark chapter 11, but if you continue reading, and let's read. Let's look at this real quickly. Mark eleven point two. So he answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. And I'm not i read mean this kind of fast, because this is, again, just a summary of what we talked about last week. But this is verse 11, 22 to 24. The very next verse begins with an and. The word and is a conjunction. And we looked at this last week, but I'm bringing it up again this week. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you. It goes on. I'm not going to read all of this right now, but Jesus talked about forgiveness when He was also talking about speaking to our mountains and when He talked about praying and not doubting. Do you have a problem? Speak. In other words, what is He saying here, Mark 11? If you have a problem, speak to it. But and what do you desire? Believe and receive them. But then there's this three-letter word and. If you have anything against your brother, forgive. Them. That means we need to do. Not, we don't. We're not just talking about doing the first part, which we've spent a lot of time. We spent seven weeks talking about this, and we've talk, been talking about this the last two weeks. But there's also the word end, and we need to forget, forget one another. Sometimes you are so upset with your brother you hinder the life love God to yourself. You can't be great in the realm of faith without being great in the realm of love because where love rules faith reigns and if you understand the grace of God you're not going to have a challenge with faith if you understand the love of God you're not going to have a challenge with faith because faith works by love so we've lo- we looked at how the last week's for God had given us a spirit of fear but a power and of love and this week we're going to talk about and a sound mind. So all that was recapped from the last six weeks, and now we're getting into this week's message. The spirit of faith is a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Okay? I talked about this a little bit uh, two weeks ago, but it's just faith and and a sound mind work together. A sound mind is well instructed in the Word of God. A sound mind is taught in the Word. And a sound mind is going in the direction of God. See, many times we think we have a faith problem, when in reality we have a knowledge problem. Okay? It's going to be hard for you to believe God for something if you don't even know that it's something you can believe God for. Okay? But the value, there's value in wisdom and faith. And we're going to be clicking that. As we're talking about a sound mind, we're going to be talking a lot about wisdom, wisdom and faith. <coughs> Last week we talked a lot about love and faith. This week we're going to be talking a lot about wisdom and faith. Sometimes we are doing things that come into conflict with what we are believing God for, so we need wisdom. What's an example of that? You know, you know, if you're doing something that's unhealthy, and you're believing God for healing. God can heal you and give you wholeness, but if you keep doing the activity that's unhealthy, you're going to keep getting sick. You're going to keep getting injured. Okay? And what you are doing is in conflict of what you believe in God for. If, another way we can look at it is that if you are, are struggling, we just mentioned a minute ago that it's a knowledge problem, but if you're sitting under teaching that is contrary to the Word of God, and faith comes from the word of God, then you're gonna have a problem. It's gonna be a <coughs> what you are listening to is gonna be in conflict with what you're in God for. We need wisdom. We need the wisdom of God to know what we should sometimes we need to change some activities. Sometimes we need to stop what we're doing. Lawson Purdue was talking about how he had an injury recently in and uh uh, from doing some, even though lost Purdue, he does a lot of farming and different things with cows and whatnot. And they were, I think, moving a tractor of some sort. He got injured. And uh, a lot story short, he uh, finally realized it, was, it wasn't so much a bone issue or whatnot. It was more of a muscle issue. And some of the exercising he was doing was actually just irritating it some more. And so he was praying for healing. It he was feeling better. But if you know Lawson is working out, I mean he's going to give it all he's got. And so uh, he, was, he was encouraged to stop exercising the way that he was, change his method of exercising, and stop putting strain on that injury. And also there were some other things he was uh, putting in the whirlpool and whatnot. Yes, God can heal him, but there was, some of the activity that he was doing was conflicting what he was believing God for. Sometimes we can, sometimes we just need some wisdom. We need some knowledge to stop doing an activity, and get us in a position where we need a miracle, where we need a healing. See, Andrew teaches it this way: nothing wrong with miracles. Miracles are awesome, but if you are living from miracle to miracle, you are living from problem to problem. The reason you need a miracle is because you have a problem. Now, we already talked about how there's, what, there's tribulation, and it's one thing to go through problems because you're not the source of it. There's <laughs> another thing if, if, if the problems you keep going through because you keep doing some s- stupid things, <laughs> lack of a better way of phrasing it. And so, you know, a- a- Barry Bennett, one of our teachers at Carroll Bible College, says he's talking to the students and, uh, who are all have jobs. He says, Some of you have a job you don't like, and you keep cursing your job. In other words, and you're praying God for finances, but you keep cursing your field. And I get it, that might not be a job that you want, a job where you want to be, but while you're there, bless it, because that's your source. That's that's your income. That's your field. You know, there, I've had many jobs I didn't like through the years, but while I'm there, I'm going to bless it because that's, you don't bite off a hand that feeds you. You bless it while you're there. Joseph blessed it. I mean, that prison was the best prison <laughs> you know, in Egypt, in the world, because he blessed it while he was there. Daniel sat under three different kings, wicked kings. He blessed those kingdoms while he was there. Bless your fields. And there's some things that we're believing God for, but we are in conflict with them. Sometimes we need to change our attitude. Sometimes we need to change our behavior and our actions. Sometimes we need to change our diets So different things. Am I making sense? And so, so we need wisdom. There's wisdom and faith. (coughs) You know, we're believing God for something, but we're doing something totally in conflict with what we're believing God for. And there's a lot of different stories and examples I give you. So we need faith and a sound mind, and they work together. Okay? faith And and faith, another another way of saying it, (coughs) not only do we have a sound mind, but we have the mind of Christ. And the faith and the mind of Christ work together. Okay? The spirit of faith, is a sound mind. We need, and, and we're going to look at this. And there's three things we're going to look at this morning. Is that the first one is we need wisdom in asking, receiving from God. Sometimes we need to even wisdom to know even what to ask, but sometimes we need wisdom even to know how to receive what we are asking of God. Let's look at the book of James for a moment. We're going to look at James chapter 1, but let me just give you a synopsis of what James is talking about. I've got to go through these all five chapters real quick just to give a synopsis, a little outline of the book of James. The book of James chapter 1 talks about the wisdom of faith. We're going to go there in just a moment. Because that's what we're talking about. James chapter 2 talks about the actions of faith. James chapter 3 talks about the words of faith. What we say, what we speak. We've already talked about that briefly in our introduction this morning. James chapter 4 talks about the humility of faith, and James chapter 5 talks about the patience of faith. We're not going to be looking at views this morning, because we're not studying the book of James this morning, but we're going to be looking at the wisdom of faith. We're talking about the sound mind, okay? But in James chapter 1, beginning of verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, <coughs> Excuse me, who gives liberty to and without repulsion it will be given to him, but let him ask in what? Faith. With no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7, for let no, not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, unstable stable in all his ways. Do you need wisdom? And he says you can ask God and he won't rebuke you. He'll give it to you literally. He also says that we need to ask in Faith, okay? You can get wisdom from God and not vacillate. You know, sometimes we vacillate in doing something that we are sensing God, and doing something that God wants us to do because we just need some wisdom. We need some confirmation. We need some assurance that this is what God wants us to do and where God wants to go. In other words, we can get direction of God and move forward in your faith. You know, you can get direction from God, despite what the circumstances might be saying, everything else, you know, Jesus told the disciples to go on the other side of the boat. And the disciples knew a storm was coming. These were fishermen. They knew how to, to tell the weather patterns and whatnot. And they did not want to go. These were fishermen. A hurricane was coming. They did not want to go. But Jesus told them to go. And, but, but they finally got direction from their, their leader, Jesus, Master, and they move forward in faith, and, and God does some awesome things on that sea and, and whatnot. But in James 4, continue continuing with James 1, I said we weren't going to go there where we are. He says, you ask and do not receive, because you ask and miss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Do, not know, do you not know the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Why did I bring this out? Because we're talking about wisdom. We're talking about wisdom and faith. We're talking about having a sound mind. And and when we're asking God for wisdom, and we're asking God for direction, we're asking God for things that we need or want or desire, what the world may be asking, and what we may be asking as Christians, we need the wisdom of God. Because of what the world wants and what the world desires, you know, it says, um, do you know that friendship of the world is the of God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself a friend of God. Some, we need to make sure, we need wisdom in what we're going to ask God for. Because we shouldn't be asking God for the same thing that the world does, and the same thing that the world desires. We need wisdom of God of what we should ask for. Okay? I'm, I'm saying a stage. I'm going to bring this into... And back into our message in a moment. Just bear with me for a moment, okay? Going back to James 4. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain that the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. I don't have time to go into all this teaching right now. But we need wisdom what to ask from God. Our desires should be different from the world, but we need wisdom of what we ask from God. Talking about wisdom and asking from God, Proverbs says it this way, Get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth, do not forsake her, and she will preserve Preserve you, love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is a principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And all you're getting get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. And she will bring honor when you embrace her. She will place you on your head of an ornament of grace a crown of glory. And she will deliver to you. In other words, what Proverbs is saying here, Solomon is saying, there's four things that Paul is saying here. And I'm not, I'm not I'm, it's really not a message about wisdom. It's about wisdom and faith. But let me just bring this out. Wisdom is talking about there's, there's preservation. There's promotion, and there's honor, and there's glory and wisdom. There's four things that he's talking about here in these four verses that I just read. I don't have time to bring all this out. It's not a teaching so much on this. Hopefully that's making sense. But what I'm trying to convey here this morning is, back to my point, that we need wisdom in what we're going to ask and receive from God. And I'm going to tie this into my other two points here in just a moment, okay? But we need wisdom when we ask from God. And he's, going back to my last slide, wisdom brings preservation, brings promotion, brings honor, brings glory. We need wisdom that are going to preserve us, that are going to promote us, that are going to bring honor and glory to God. Is that making sense? Okay? But the spirit of faith is a, is a sound mind. We're talking about how it's a power and love. We're talking about a sound mind. There's wisdom. We need wisdom in asking and receiving from God. But we also need wisdom in asking about specific things God wants to bring in our lives. Okay, God has specific things for you as a believer. God has a general will for everyone to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But there are some specific things that God has for you. And all the promises of God are for us. Because it says, uh, David says, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sake. In other words, the reason I'm this out is that God has a specific promises for you, God has, a, has a specific will things for you, but those things that God wants to give you are not to bring you wrong and they're not to do you wrong. Some people think that some of the tragedy and some of the things that they're going through is from God. No, it says in Psalm 105 verse 14 that he, God, suffers no man to do them any wrong. But it says in Corinthians, For all the promises of God are in Him, yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. God gets glory when you walk in His promises. One of those promises, one of those specific things that God wants to do is healing. And I can bring out many scriptures in the Word of God that talks about healing. And so I know I I can receive His promises regarding healing. For example, it says in 1 Peter 2, 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died for our sins, might live for righteousness, for whose stri- by whose strikes we were healed. It says in 3 John verse 2, Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. Psalm 103, verse 2 and 3 says, Bless the Lord, all oh my soul, forgetting all of his benefits, and forgive not all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. He sent his word in Psalm 107 and healed them. And, from, and deliver them from all the destruction. Psalm 91 says and no evil shall come near you No evil shall come befall you and no No, nor shall any plague come near your dwellings. I'm, I'm trying to go fast here And I'm, I'm not stumbling on my words. It says in Exodus fifteen twenty six, for I am the good Lord who heals you. Exodus twenty three twenty five says I just want to get down to my highlight part. And I will take every sickness from the midst of you. Actually, let me read this real quick. because This has to do with food. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from you. I don't know about you, but I bless my food. I might not eat healthy, but I bless it. And my bread and my water, for those who are gluten-free, sorry, but my bread and my water, I'm going to bless it, and it's going to bless my body. Okay, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Okay, I'll get off that track. It even says in Jeremiah, "For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds," says the Lord. What, what am I saying here? I bring out a lot. There's some specific, 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 things that God wants to do in your life. One of those things is healing, and I just brought out about ten different scriptures about how God how God wants to heal you. Where does faith come from? The Word of God. The world may say, doctors may say, different society may say that, that that God doesn't heal everybody every time. Well, the Word of God tells me differently, and I need wisdom to know what I can ask and receive of God. And there's some specific specific, specific promises and of, of God's Word that I can walk in and I can receive. And we are witnesses of the testimony of Jesus. Jesus testified the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God, and the Word of God testifies that by His stripes I am healed. There's several scriptures that says I can walk in healing and holiness, and we have a Bible full of promises that we can believe. I just highlighted one of those, and using multiple scriptures to, to support that. Now we need the wisdom of God. The Word of God is the wisdom of God. Paul talks about this, and we need the wisdom of God. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from the Word of God. And if I know that God says I can be healed, then I can then I can I walk in that, I can believe that, I can ask for that with all confidence that I am going to be healed. Romans says it this way, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Just as much as it is God's will to save you, it is God's will to heal you, among other things. There's another thing that God wants to do in your life to do. Just as much, much as it is God's will to give you peace, it is God's will to prosper you. Some people don't like that word. Some people think that we're preaching a prosperity gospel. Well, I'm not preaching a gospel that says you're going to be poor. And we're lack what lack, that would be anti-the word of God. You know, I'm preaching the gospel. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. I believe in the gospel of Jesus. At the same point in time, I believe in God. The word salvation means the prosper. The word salvation means healing. And I believe in salvation. I believe in Jesus. And I believe that God wants me well. God wants me to be blessed so I can be a blessing. You are not going to be a blessing to society, to mankind, if you are poor as a church mouse. God did not go to the cross just so you can be poor. We are blessed to be a blessing. And it's God's will to help you in every area of your life. We are the head and not tail. We are blessed and not cursed. We will be a lender of many and a borrower of none. We were blessed in our storehouse. We'll be blessed. We are blessed. We are the people of God. <coughs> Going back to Romans, you know uh, what shall we say? To these things? if God is for us, who can be against us? I'm reading this again. And he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him of us for us all, how shall he not with us freely give us all things? It's free. I don't have to pay for it. Jesus already did. If Jesus already gave his son, he's already demonstrated that God will freely give us all things. If God will give you, in other words, if God will give you Jesus, he will give you anything. anything. But we need wisdom of what that anything consists of. Okay? In other words, if God would forgive your sins, why wouldn't he heal you? If God will forgive your sins, why wouldn't he give you peace? Why wouldn't he prosper you? And why would He free you from sin and other things? Believe the promises of God. Romans ten five says how beautiful are the mount He's quoting from uh, Isaiah. He says how how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel, of peace who brings glad tidings and good things. Again, there's a general will of God for everyone, everyone to be saved. But there are some specific things that God has for you. And if you will ask him, and God will reveal those specific things that God wants for you. Now, I've, I mentioned some things like healing and prosperity and different things. And some of us can still put those in the realm of uh, his general will, and I probably do that as well. But God, I know God has a specific plan for each and every one of you. God had a specific plan for Joseph. He has a specific plan for Daniel, David, other people uh, throughout throughout the history. In Deuteronomy it says, so shall it be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and all the trees which you did not plant, when you have eaten and you are full. He goes on to say in chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and whose hills you can dig copper. In other words, I can bring out tons of scripture in the Old Testament and in the New, where God said, I'm going to lead you to a place where you don't lack anything. It's called the promised land. It's called God's blessing. God told them in Deuteronomy before they went to the promised land in the book of Joshua that I'm going to lead you to a place where you don't lack anything. There are promises that God has made for his covenant people. Church, we, I'm talking about experiencing the spirit of faith and I'm talking about having a sound mind and I'm talking about wisdom and faith and we need to have the wisdom and we need to have the sound mind that we are the people of God. How are you going to believe something for God if you are not convinced it's for you? <coughs> How are you going to stand in faith for healing or prosperity if you are wavering in your faith? If you're double-minded and double-standard in your mind and you are wavering, doubting, because you're like, you know, I don't know if God wants to bless me. If you don't have a revelation that you are a covenant people, then you will be like the armies of Israel. When Goliath is, is talking you uh, and, 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 and defying you, you're going to wallow in fear like King Saul in the armies of Israel. But when David knew that he was a covenant people, when he came on the scene, he's like, oh, who's this uncircumcised still that he should abide the armies of God? When we are a covenant people like Paul and like the apostles, we can speak the word of God with boldness. So we can do what God has called to do. We can go where God calls to go, and we can be who God calls me. When you came to Christ, you now. Let me back up. We are God's come to people. Some of the promises I'm reading you this morning were made to Abraham. Abraham, it, this is where I'm going with this. When you came to Christ, you are the seed of Abraham. Paul talks about this in the Book of Galatians. Okay. Galatians three twenty nine, to be specific. But by faith, you are the seed of Abraham by faith in Jesus Christ. We talked about this on length in Romans chapter four. Okay, you are heirs of the same covenant of Abraham man, that God had with Abraham. <coughs> and because you are a seed of Abraham, because you put faith in Jesus, you are a seed of Abraham, and you are part of the, You are heirs of the same covenant. Then you have a right to believe these promises for yourself. I'm talking about having a sound mind. I'm talking about wisdom. But if you don't even have a soundness of mind that these promises are yours, then how are you going to have a sound mind to believe God for them? And if you can't believe God for them, how are you going to receive them? Is it making sense? There are specific things that God wants you to have. Paul says in Corinthians, But we speak the wisdom of God and the mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the princes of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the King of glory. We are preaching in this message, in this church, we are preaching Christ and the hope of glory, which has been hidden for generations. <coughs> if See, it was, it was, why was it a mystery? Because even the devil did not understand this mystery. If the devil had understood the mystery, he would never have crucified Jesus. Okay? I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going to Colossians. I'm going to come back to Corinthians. In Colossians, Paul said, Of which I have become a minister, according to the stewardship of the, from God, from which was given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but it has now been revealed to his saints, to them, God will to make known whether the riches or the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay? This mystery, this mystery of the gospel, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm going somewhere with this. Hold on, okay? If the devil knew this mystery, he never would have crucified Jesus. See, when Jesus walked the earth, they were dealing with one man. Yes, he was the son of God, but he put down his divinity to be the son of man. We were dealing with one man filled with the Holy Spirit. But after they crucified Jesus, and he rose from the grave, And he filled his church with his spirit. We're talking about the spirit of faith. 3,120 were now filled with the Holy Spirit that this one man had. He just multiplied himself. And since then, his church has multiplied. Because Jesus died, and he's filled his church with his spirit. The devil doesn't have to just deal with one man filled with the spirit of God. He's now dealing with a church. We have, we are the seed of Abraham. Okay? But as his written eye has not seen, nor ear heard, or entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us. He's revealed them to us through his spirit. We're talking about the spirit of faith. We're talking about having a sound mind. We're talking about wisdom. He's revealed them to us by his spirit, but the spirit searches all the things. Yes, even the deep things of God. People want to get to tell me to get into the deep things. I am. These are the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to God us by God. We have the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of faith. There's a soundness of mind. There's a wisdom that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You can't have faith to operate, to manifest in the things that God has given to you if you are not convinced. First of all, you're not even revealed to you that God has given you to you. You don't even have a revelation that God has given you to things. But when the Holy Spirit reveals the things that have been given to you by God, you can have faith in that. And when you have faith in that, you can receive it and you can operate in it. That making sense? We need wisdom and know what to ask from God so that we can operate in the spirit of faith, in the spirit of God, which is power, love, and a sound mind. You have received the Holy Spirit to know the things that have been given. (coughs) Excuse me. Let me read it again. You have received the Holy Spirit to know the things that have been given freely given to us by God. It's free to you. It costs Jesus everything. But I'm free to give to you. You have received the Holy Spirit. Do you know the things God has given you? If you are His people, He wants to make you an example of how He treats His kids. And He treats His kids good because God is a good, good Father. Rest in His goodness, and He will take care of we, you know when, when Moses says, "Lord, show me your presence," unless your presence goes with us, it, His goodness. It says that in Exodus 34 that His goodness passed Moses, and God revealed Himself as a God who is good. Some of us, I think that have a, you know you got the parable of the, ta- of the of the talents, and the one who buried his treasure thought that his God was a hard taskmaster. But no, he is a good, good father. And we can rest in his goodness. We can have, the the word rest can also be translated, have faith, have confidence, rely on his goodness. We have to labor to get into that rest. But there is a rest for the people of God. There are things God wants you to have. He wants you to have houses. He He wants you to have jobs. He wants you to have Resources to do what God has called you to do for His glory. Let me just ask you a question: Have you ever been embarrassed by the blessing of God? <laughs> and that's that, that's a hard pill for some people to swallow because they can't even, they can't even fathom that. But I believe that until we are embarrassed by how much God has blessed us, we haven't. Fully tapped into all that God has promised us, and I, I that, that might take you might not be able to get a full revelation of that right now, but don't take for granted the good things God has promised you and that God has given you. God gives good things; He is a good God. Okay, there are places God wants you to go, there are things that God wants you to do. There are people that God wants you to reach. There are things that God wants you to have. Why? Because he's a good, good father. There's a plan. There's a wisdom of God. There's a purpose of God. God saved you, not just so you can go to heaven. God saved you and filled you with his spirit because he has a purpose for you in this earth. He has filled these jars of clay to show them this excellence and this power is from God and not from us. God wants to bless you, not just so you are blessed, God wants to bless you because He wants to use you. God can't, some of you God can't use because you are, you, you want to reach the world, but you keep looking to the world for your source. The source ha, the world has to lend you money. The world has to lend you things. The, the world sees you as poor as a church mouse. The Lord, Lord, the, the, the world sees the best thing you can do is a rummage cell are a bake sale of the church. And I'm not putting those things down. But we, and I'm not just I'm really not just trying to talk about finances, but I'm using this as an example. We are the church of the living God. And the church, the world should be coming to us to find out what we have. Instead, a lot of us are going to the world to help us reach down. Something's wrong with that. But God, there's places God wants you to go. You need sort resources. There's things that God wants you to do. You need resources. There's people God wants you to reach and sometimes we need resources to do that. We need favor. We need grace. <coughs> and there's some things that God just wants you to have because he is a good, good father. He blesses us. You know, if you read the book of Genesis, Abraham was very rich. His son, uh, Isaac, was actually said uh Abraham was rich it said his son was very rich it said Jacob his grandson was extremely rich and it says that uh Joseph was the prime minister of Egypt the the, the world power of that uh, in that day and so um you know God, God and that that was all before the law I, I don't have time to teach all this right now but in a God makes one rich and he doesn't add any sorrow to it. And some people have riches, but there's sorrow to it. They're working twenty thousand jobs to break make ends meet. And I know I'm exaggerating that, but you know, it's just God I'm trying to paint a picture. God wants to bless you. God wants to help you. He wants to be your God. He wants to use you. God wants to be your <sighs> your provider God wants to be your source God wants to be your God He needs your salvation but sometimes God wants to bless us with nicer things than we can even comprehend we think we don't deserve it and it's not about you deserving it because it's called grace if you deserve it it's not grace it's a gift How many of you deserve the gift you got at Christmas or for your birthday or whatever? It's a gift. There's no strings attached to a gift. If if there's strings attached to a gift, it is not a gift. It is baked. (laughs) Okay? But we have limited God. Going back to Corinthians. These days we also speak not the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which with the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual things, I don't want the wisdom that man teaches, but I want what the Holy Spirit teaches. This ministry, this is His ministry, not ours. And I'm not just talking about Lighthouse Assembly Center. Paul said we have the ministry. We have the ministry of righteousness. We have the ministry of spirit. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 5 says we have the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 1 says since we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. It's a we there. We have a ministry. 2 Corinthians uh, uh, 3, verse 6 says says that um, we are all able ministers in the new covenant. We have a ministry. And my job as a pastor is to to equip you for the work of the ministry. It's our ministry. And this ministry is his, not ours, and we cannot do it without him. Okay, Second Corinthians four, two. Let's go back. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to have Nor can, nor can he know them, because they are not spiritually discerned. <coughs> you know, we're talking about being having the, the gift of discernment, but part of that discernment is also knowing what we can receive from the Spirit. Yeah, that's not the only thing it's about, but that's part of it. We need to discern what we can receive from God. Okay? But, the, but he who is spiritually, spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? So, going back to our list real quick here. Not only do we need the wisdom and asking to receive them from God, We need wisdom in asking God about the specific things he wants to receive in the life. But the third thing is that he wants us. We need wisdom in understanding God's will and purpose in our life. Let's go to Chronicles, and we're going to wrap this up here in just a minute. Okay? In Chronicles, we have the story of Solomon. David had passed away. Solomon is now king. And Solomon went up there to the broad altar. Before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle meeting, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. And on that night, God asked, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, "Ask what shall I give you?" Most of us would love for God to come to us and say, "Lord, what do you want? What shall I give you?" Okay. Basically, in Christ, He has already done that. Let's continue with the story. Verse eight. And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David my father and made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to to David my father be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth and multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people for who can judge this great people of yours. Verse 11. And then God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life. But you have, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall have after you after you have had the like. So I'm saying, I want wisdom to do what God's called me to do. How many of you want wisdom to do what God has called you to do? In addition to wisdom, God says, I'm going to give you riches and honor. See, in Christ, Paul talks about Christ is the wisdom of God. In Corinthians, he talks about that. But in Christ, in the wisdom of God, God has given you everything you need. To do what God has called you to do. That's what Solomon wanted. He wanted wisdom and knowledge. And we're talking about wisdom and faith. And, 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 and having a sound mind. We need the wisdom to know how to ask and receive in God. We need wisdom to know the specific thing God wants for us. And we need wisdom to, so we can do what God's called us to do. You know, if God called you to do something, it will always be bigger than you. If, you, if there's something that you think God's called you to do, but it's something you can do, I want to make sure to say it's not God. And I'm not saying you're not on the right path. It's just you are too limited in your thinking. Because whatever God, when God calls you to do something, it will be bigger than what you can do. It will force you to trust him, not you. And, and Solomon realized he was keen on a great nation. But he needed wisdom to govern and rule that kingdom. And he realized it wasn't God's it wasn't his kingdom, it was God's kingdom. But even so, those thing that God's called you to do as parents, this, this, you need the wisdom of God to, to parent your children. As employers, as employees, as ministers of the gospel that we've all been entrusted with, to be a witness of Jesus, we need wisdom. To do this life, to run this life. Jesus said it said this way in, in Revelation chapter 5, that we are kings and priests. You and I are kings and priests. We need the wisdom of God. We need God's wisdom, and we need everything God has given us to do what God has called us to do. You are blessed and highly favored to the Lord, but you, we, we need God's wisdom to do it. You are blessed. You are favored to the God. But you need God's wisdom to do what God has called you to do. In Ephesians, <clears throat> you know, there's really four main, major prayers that Paul prays. He prays two in Ephesians, one in, in Philippians chapter 1 and another one in Colossians chapter 1. And these are four powerful prayers, but in Ephesians, Paul prays it this way, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of what? Wisdom and, and revelation in the knowledge of him. We talked about how we don't have a faith problem, we have a knowledge problem. And Paul prayed that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is in the heart. What is the hope of his calling? What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the work of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places? You know, there's there's three things, three or four things I want to list here about this passage. I've I've studied this many times. I've talked about this many times. But let me summarize it with four things right here in, in Paul's prayer and Ephesians chapter 1. Paul prays that we would know him. Paul prays that we would know Jesus, that we would know God, that we would know the Holy Spirit. We just finished the series talking about knowing the Holy Spirit. The second thing he prays is I want you to know what God, what he has called you to do. That you would have the spirit of revelation, wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. He prays that you would know him and that you would know what he has called you to do. The third thing he I want you to know what he has invested in you. God has invested some things in you. He's giving you gifts. He's giving you inheritance. He's giving him himself. He's giving you his Holy Spirit. There's things that God has invested into you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know what God has called you to do. And he wants to know what he's invested in you. And he, uh, I thought that was a fourth one. I, I think I'm coming to it after this one. That's why he said it. this way. For he who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. There's a thing that God has called you to do. And the fourth one is this one. The fourth one is, God, I want you to know his power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. He's invested his power in you. And so again, God wants you to know him. He wants you to know what he's called you to, he's called you to do. He wants you to know what he's invested in you. Like his power. Okay? Let's look at Colossians real quick. For this reason, there's another prayer of Paul's. Like I said, there's four of them. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all what? Wisdom. And spiritual understanding. We want you, in other words, Paul's saying, we want you to know God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Wisdom. We're talking about having a sound mind. We're talking about wisdom and faith. Some of us have never noticed some of these words. Sometimes, some people are having a hard time getting their prayers answered because they don't have the wisdom of God. They don't have the mind of Christ. (coughs) When you know the will of God and you know the wisdom of God and you know the mind of Christ, you can ask for Boldly to receive what God has already promised you. But once you have the mind of Christ, His will becomes easy. If you know the will of God, you don't have to guess whether your prayer is going to be answered or not. Does that make sense? If you don't know the will of God, you're even guessing whether your prayer is going to be answered. That's not faith, that's doubt. But when you know you have the mind of Christ, you have the wisdom of God. You can act with confidence. Because God is not a man that he should lie. Going back to Colossians that you may be walked worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthening with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. And again in Ephesians we looked at how God wants you to know him. He wants you to know what he's called you to do. He wants you to know what he's investing in you in his power. Colossians is almost the same way. I've got list three things that are almost identical to He wants you to know his will. He wants you, I want you to, Paul's saying, I want you to know him. I want you to know God. I want you to be in relationship with him. And it's literally, I want you to know his power. I want you to be successful in every good work. We've looked at three things here. <coughs> We've looked at how the spirit of faith is a sound mind. We need, know, we need wisdom in asking receiving God. We need wisdom in asking God about the specific things He wants to us to receive in life, which includes healing, provision, among other things. And we need wisdom in understanding God's will and purpose for your life. When you have the mind of Christ. When we have the mind of Christ, our faith works. When we have a sound mind, our faith works. Some people are being challenged in their faith because they don't really know the mind of God. They don't know the will of God. They're guessing, they're hoping, they're crossing their fingers and crossing their toes. Okay. But when you have the mind of Christ, your faith will work. The spirit of faith is a spirit of power, is a spirit of love, and is a spirit of a sound mind. Well, Paul said, "God is not giving you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind." We have the spirit of faith, and the spirit of faith that we have it speaks; it's a law that works for everybody, everywhere, every time. We have the spirit of faith. We have the spirit of power. We have the spirit of love. And we have a spirit of a sound mind. Because we have the same spirit of faith according to what I believe and therefore I speak. We talked about these last seven weeks about experiencing the spirit of faith. Next week, we're going to continue on these thoughts, also with the message of knowing the Holy Spirit, and talk about walking in the anointing. And this is really just a continuation. And really, you're going to see some of the same language in some regards, but I'm going to be going to a totally different angle at this and walking in the anointing. Okay? And so, uh, we'll, we'll catch this next week, and I'm not sure how long this series will go. Lord, we worship you? All right. Lord, we talked several weeks on this message and Lord, it's just so real and Lord, I don't want this message just to be a message that we archive but Lord, this is something that we experience something that we walk in help us get a revelation of these things we've talked about these last seven weeks in connection with knowing the Holy Spirit and knowing the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and Lord, we worship you, we magnify you we glorify you in Jesus' name we give you thanks